0: You're listening Listening to Bible Bible Plus Plus. from Seesaw. Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Today, we're diving into Acts chapter 20, and I'd like to divide this chapter up into three main portions. The first has to do with persecution. The second has to do with living, acting, and moving in the context of the body of Christ. And then the third portion has to do with the pattern of Paul's perfecting of the believers. So let's go ahead and get started uh, with this matter of persecution. In chapter 20, verse 3, it mentions clearly that there was a plot made against the Apostle Paul by the Jews. Now, this persecution actually began earlier in Acts. Uh, It's nothing new. Uh, But the main point that I wanted to say about this is that what we see here is a ministry that was so powerful and so prevailing that it impacted the uh, the secular economy, it impacted the social realm, the physical realm. Um, you know, regarding the secular economy, for example, in chapter nineteen, there was a man named Demetrius who was a silversmith, and he made these little idols and sold them, and that's how he made a living. But when Paul came there, when the apostle Paul came with his traveling companions, and he announced the gospel, and he ministered the new covenant ministry. It made such an impact. It was prevailing, um, not only in the outward realm, but also behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. This ministry was so prevailing that it touched the heart and the power of darkness. And, um, And it stirred up all this opposition and attack and persecution. Uh, So that's the first point, and I might say also that this should be a lesson for us, that if we will be a people who not only join ourselves to the New Covenant ministry, but also participate in carrying out this ministry, we need to be prepared for this kind of persecution. Now moving on to the next portion in this chapter, that is, that the Apostle Paul, he lived, acted, and moved in the context of the body of Christ, not as an individual. He was accompanied by a number of brothers. In chapter 20, verse 4, it, it mentions Sopater, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, Timothy, Titicus, Trophimus, and then Um, the author of this book, Luke, is included. So there's at least eight brothers that traveled together with the Apostle Paul. He was not uh, ministering and serving as an individual, but he lived, acted, and moved with the body, through the body, in the body, and for the body. So this is a marvelous pattern for us, and this is no doubt why His ministry was so powerful and so prevailing and so impactful. Okay, now moving on. Paul is traveling with his companions. He traveled to Troas, held a meeting there until midnight. Even It's interesting, this young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window and he fell asleep and fell out the window. A lot of excitement there. But then Paul continues his travels. And he is about to pass by Ephesus and he calls a meeting of the elders in Ephesus. And this leads us to the third kind of portion here in this chapter. And that is what we see in verses 17 to 36 is Paul's pattern of perfecting the believers under his care. And you can see that through his interaction with this group of elders from Ephesus. The first thing I would mention is in verse 18. He says that you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you all the time. This gives us a, a glimpse. It gives us some insight into his way of perfecting them. He was with them all the time. He spent a lot of time with them. Just like the Lord Jesus spent a lot of time with the 12 disciples, Paul spent a lot of time with these brothers. Then he says in verse 19, serving the Lord as a slave with all humility. We need to realize if we're going to perfect anybody, we need to serve as a slave. We need to come in under the brothers, under the ones that are that we're caring for, not lording it over them but coming as a slave to serve them, and serve with all humility. Humility means we don't have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know, but we're just there with the ones that we're perfecting, the ones under our care. were there serving as a slave and with all humility. Then another aspect of his perfecting is seen In the next verse, he says he was teaching them publicly and from house to house. Um, Not just giving public messages, but visiting them in their homes. What a wonderful pattern for us in our perfecting of the ones under our care. Then in verse 21, he says, solemnly testifying. Well, to testify something requires experience of seeing and participating in and enjoying something. Surely the Apostle Paul saw a lot concerning Christ and the church, concerning God's economy, and he participated in it, and he enjoyed. Uh, And he was able, therefore, to testify to these ones under his care that he raised up and who eventually became the elders of the church. So this is another aspect of his perfecting. He declared all the counsel of God, he says. Oh, another point I wanted to mention is in verse 24. He says, uh, But I consider my life of no account as if precious to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry of which I have received from the Lord Jesus. What I wanted to say here is that we have to realize that the Lord has called us and set us on a particular course, and your course is different from my course, which is different from somebody else's course. We all have been set on our own course, and we should not compare our lot with somebody else's lot. We just need to be faithful to the course that the Lord himself has placed us on. So this is another aspect of his perfecting to help the believers realize they have been set on a course. God placed them on that course. He's the sovereign master who arranges everything and we can rest in the Lord's arrangement and we need to be faithful to our course. Let me move on to... um, verse 28 this verse is tremendous it's a marvelous verse and it's it's really worth memorizing it says take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom the holy spirit has placed you as overseers to shepherd the church of god which he obtained through his own blood now there's a lot of uh things going on in this verse I just wanted to point out two phrases that indicate that the church is so precious to God. The first phrase is that um, the Holy Spirit has placed these brothers as overseers to shepherd the church. The Holy Spirit placed this. God cares so much for the church. He treasures it that, that the Holy Spirit would place certain ones to oversee and shepherd. And then secondly, at the end of the verse, it says that God obtained the church through His own blood. He purchased the church with His own blood. Anyways, this also shows us how much God treasures the church. And... The Apostle Paul treasured the church as God treasured the church, and he charged the elders to also treasure the church as much. This, again, is an aspect of the pattern of Paul's perfecting of these believers under his care. Now, you might ask, how could God have blood? Well, God did not have blood until... He was incarnated when he was born of Mary, when he became a man of flesh and blood like you and I. And then and then this God-man died for you and me. So that the blood of Jesus is not just the blood of a man, but it's also the blood of God. Jesus Christ was incarnated a man mingled with God. He was a God-man. So the blood that he shed was not just the blood of man, it was God's own blood. And therefore, it has an eternal efficacy because, of course, God is eternal. That means that his blood can pay the price for every sin that ever was and ever will be. So in Hebrews 9.12, it speaks of the eternal redemption marvelous well <clears throat> anyways this this really shows that God's heart is altogether wrapped up with the church that he would purchase it with his own blood now in verse 29 and 30 Paul gives an inoculating word uh, to these brothers and again this is another aspect of the pattern of Paul's perfecting that is to tell the the believers ahead of time what is going to happen so that they would not be stumbled when it does happen. He says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverted things to draw away the disciples after them. So here he's telling them in advance that there will be some coming from the outside. He calls them fierce wolves. They will come from the outside to disturb and damage the church. And there will be others who will come from the inside, from within the church, to speak perverted things to damage the church. So he is inoculating them, and this also is part of the pattern of perfecting, to inoculate the ones under our care. Now, in verse 32, right after that, he says, and now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. You know, these fierce wolves and these perverted ones are going to come in to, to damage the church, to tear it down, but there's something that can build up. Yes, there is an antidote. There's a way to be protected when the wolves come, when the perverted ones rise up. And that protection comes from the word of His grace. Yes, we need to constantly hear the word of God's grace. This is the real protection. And surely this is one of the functions of God's word, to protect us. We need to get ourselves constituted with God's Word so that when the negative things come, we are solid, we are unmovable because we have an anchor in God's Word. And this Word, uh, not only does it protect us, it also equips us for speaking, to counter the negative speaking. We need positive speaking to speak the gospel, to, to speak forth Christ and speak for Christ for the building up of the church. So we we need to be those who have an appetite for God's word. And an appetite for the word of God is contagious. The more you are hungry for God's word, the more you will stir up others to also have an appetite for God's word. So this is a, a great matter. It's a great matter. Now there's there's other aspects of Uh, the pattern of Paul's perfecting of the believers here. Uh, But I just want to move on to the end. In verse 36, he says, uh, And when he had said these things, he knelt down with them all and prayed. So prayer, prayer is an aspect of our perfecting the ones under our care. We need to lead the believers under our care into a prayer life. We take the way of uh, prayer, the Spirit, and the Word. This is the way we take. And and Paul was leaving these brothers with this pattern. He knelt down with them and prayed. So anyways, this chapter is so rich. I I didn't touch everything here, but you could see this portion on persecution because the, the gospel and the ministry of these brothers was so prevailing and powerful that it touched the heart of darkness we also see a portion concerning why this this gospel and this ministry was so prevailing it's because these brothers lived acted and moved in the context of the body of christ not as individuals that's why it was so impactful That's why it upset the world. And then finally, we see also the pattern of the Apostle Paul's perfecting of the believers under his care. In this case, it was the elders in the church in Ephesus who he himself had raised up and he was reminding them of how he was with them and even perfecting them more as he was passing through that region on his way to Jerusalem. Well, that's all I have for today. Uh, Thank you for listening, and I really look forward to what's going to come out tomorrow from Acts 21. Have a wonderful day.